What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as always, is Ben Fisher. Ben, I did it in the right order this time. <laughs> We're getting better at these intros, although I haven't been doing many bits in the beginning. I, I guess between all these Kaldheim spoilers and the, the wild winter weather outside, there's just been a lot going on, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to get a nice little break here, though, with uh, Christmas coming up. And, you know, you'll get a break. I'll get a break. It'll be great. Right. But this is episode number 26, and we're going to be talking about Cube. We're going to talk all things Cube, a bunch of different Cube variants, and our own Cube as well, as Ben and I have been doing a lot of work on that. But before we get to those things, we, of course, have to plug our sponsor. We're sponsored by MTG Arena Zone, which is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering arena articles, decks, news, and more. They have plenty of content for constructed and limited players alike, from top archetypes to theory articles and lots of other stuff. Check them out. Their, their writing is pretty phenomenal over there, and um, we're happy to have them supporting us. Of course, the show is also brought to you by you, the listener, via Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. We've got a few different tiers over there. You can get some stickers, can get access to a behind-the-scenes kind of look at our episodes before and after, um, a bit of banter between Ben and I. We have an opening still for our founder tier, which involves some coaching from us. So if you're interested in that, check that out as well. And of course, that's the best way to support us uh, directly and and really have an, an inside look at the show. We have a few other things to plug as well before we get into the episode. Of course, there's our Discord, which we plug every week. Been some great discussion there. And we had our first ever Commander Sealed League event last weekend, which was phenomenal. We had a lot of fun. It was great to get to actually like play magic with you guys and enjoy building these these commander decks with Commander Legends. It was a whole whole lot of fun. Congrats to Andy for being our uh, first champion of the Commander Sealed League. We'll get into who won the other pod. I don't know who who won. Who won? Uh, Andy Andy took us down. He did, yeah. And uh, Jack won the other pod with Archelos. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. that was so much fun. Uh, just. Honestly, the fact that even if like, let's say all of our our episodes got like destroyed immediately and we just went off the air forever, even knowing that we've made it this far and like made friends via the internet we get to play magic with, that alone is more than we ever could have hoped for. It was so fun to do. Absolutely. And it sounds like there's going to be more to come. Everybody's been getting really interested in EDH lately and very happy to see that and and hear from everybody. Um, Maybe, uh, Maybe I can take Elk for a spin. Show these people how to really play Commander. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, besides, if you're interested in that and want to get involved with the Discord more, you can check out the link to that in our episode description or on our Twitter page, Pod. Otherwise, we have a few things coming up. We mentioned last week for Christmas, because we will have an episode coming out on Christmas, we have a holiday mailbag episode planned. So if you are interested in asking us questions to be answered on that episode, anything counts, anything goes, you can ask us whatever you want. We don't really... It doesn't need to be magic related. You can ask us whatever. We've had some really awesome questions submitted already, so we're super excited to talk about those. If you want to ask a question for that, jump in the Discord. We have a channel open for the holiday mailbag episode. And on that very same episode, we are giving away a copy of our cube. Of course, it'll take some time for you to receive it, but we are going to be announcing the winner for the cube giveaway. All the details for that are are in a pinned message in the announcements channel on our discord as well so if you want to know how to join how to enter you have until well the day after this episode airs i believe is when we're going to be pulling again all the details are in that announcement channel check out the pinned post there but that brings us to our crack draft type thing then why don't you walk us through we've got a spicy arena cube pack oh yeah we do so to kick off our foray into the world of cube as it is a you know cube miss or 
holiday cubing, whatever you want to call it. It's cube time. And cube is honestly one of the most fun ways to play magic out there as we're going to ramble about for the next 40 minutes or so. So here we've got a pack of Arena Cube, which is one that many people are familiar with because it's been on Arena and that seems to be the most popular way to play today. So in this pack, we've got an Underworld Ragehound, Heroic Reinforcements, Tangled Florahedron, Palaka Predation, Sky Marcher Aspirant, Animation Module, Yorian the Sky Nomad, Mouth to Feed, Jade Light Ranger, Elvish Reclaimer, Nightmare Shepherd, Dungeon Geists, Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, Hydroid Crisis, and Angel of Sanctions. Just ran through those, ran through those pretty quickly, uh, although they are all moderately famous cards. Uh, people that have been playing on Arena for a while probably know these, and especially because a lot of these are from recent sets, mostly dating back through uh, Theros Beyond Death, and a few of core set ones before that. So, what are we looking at here? What are you thinking? Yeah, so cube is a weird environment, right? A lot of these are rares, which can throw people off if you're not used to cube, and you're not used to seeing these together because they weren't released in the same sets. So it can be kind of weird to figure out, oh, especially on a pack one pick one, it's like, what on earth am I supposed to be doing here? Um, one thing I like to look for are mana rocks. There aren't technically any in this pack, so that, that kind of sucks. But we do have a Tangled Florahedron, which is a good um, stand-in for a mana rock, right? It's, it's a dork or a land which works nicely. Um, the big mana decks, and I know something Ben really likes to preach about with cube in general, and especially the arena cube, is that, you know, every card is pretty pretty phenomenal, so you want to try to find a way to break parity on those, those cards, and that might mean getting to play multiple cards in a turn, but getting more mana is always excellent in cube. So Tangle Florahedron's a good spot to start. I also, of course, start eyeing up Hydroid Crisis just because it gives you cards, it gives you life, it, and doesn't matter if that gets countered you're still getting those things so i really like hydroid crisis as well mm -hmm. some of the tokens decks and counters decks have been pretty interesting to me this go around the animation modules a pretty good card for those decks yeah i think i think honestly i'd be between tangled florahedron and hydroid crisis here but i think i'm uh, pretty high on florahedron here yeah i agree that was about my interpretation exactly now we can start to see some of the archetypes as we start to see what some of these cards are for example uh yorian which uh, I don't know if I've seen Companioned yet. That'd be pretty tough to do even in, in this cube. Uh, but we do see one of the other archetypes that I actually like more than most people, which is uh, kind of blue-white tempo. Skymarcher, Aspirant, Dungeon Geist is a top end, Thalia, Garden, Guardian of Thraben. These cards, along with Curiosity effects and some cheap interaction like Bounce, can have a pretty quick clock in Limited, well, especially because a lot of them are flyers or evasive or disruptive like Thalia. Mm -hmm. Also here we see some of the more uh, chunky, aggressive cards. Uh, Underworld Rage Hound and Jade Light Ranger are pretty good. Well, Jade Light Ranger can go in some of the slower decks too. Uh, it draws you lands every once in a while, which uh, being able to cast your spells reliably, reliably and, and drawing lands itself is just you know pretty great for any spell to do. And uh, one that comes with the body attached is pretty nice. I like Elvish Reclaimer in the Golos decks. Uh, if you can mm -hmm. pick up a Field of the Dead, it's definitely worth playing an Elvish Reclaimer. And some of these other cards just kind of meh. Palaka Predation, Nightmare Shepherd is fine in mono black. Uh, animation module I don't think is worth touching. Yeah, I'm also between the Krasis and the Florahedron here, and I will say I took the Florahedron out of this pack, which compared to the average pack of magic cards, when you see an Angel of Sanctions, a Hydroid Krasis, and you're gonna like, nah, I'm gonna take the two drop. The thing is, those other ones, those top ends are replaceable, ultimately. There's gonna give you you're gonna open planeswalkers. You're going to open massive spells that do crazy things. And those effects are all relatively similar. So you want to look for these unique effects like ramp or uh, card advantage repeatedly or other win conditions. But uh, 
now I'm starting to spoil the show. Let's get to our Deferian Civil and then we can start rambling about how much we love Cube. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll kick us off with Teferi Tibble. My Teferi this week is that Christmas is next week, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Christmas is a pretty big deal for me and my family, and I haven't seen my my parents and siblings in quite a while, so it'll be nice to get down and, and actually see them. We are going to go down to South Jersey and hang out with them for a bit. Um, I'm also a massive snoop. Like, I love figuring out it's like a, a game for me, like a Sherlock Holmes style game. Like I love figuring out what everybody gets me before I get it, like before I open them uh, mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. So I'm a bit of a pest with that. And I've been pestering my wife quite a bit and, and my father as well, just like messing with them so much about. Oh, so what did get I me? get you? Well, I haven't put the thought into what you got me. That's a good question. I, I would love if we got each other the same thing. That would be hilarious. <laughs> that, would, that would be pretty funny. I don't know. This the thing. You want a hint? Sure. Uh, Before you do, though, just for the listener, Ben is a phenomenal gift giver. He's very good at finding pointed gifts that are very specific to the person he's giving them to. So anyway, thank you. That is actually what I was going to say. I was going to say it's but the thing that I I give to you is something that you would like a lot more than I would. That's the hint I'm going to give you. That is likely not enough, but I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I bet you can put this together. And also, wait, uh, are we going to overlap in South Jersey? Can I just drive by your house and drop it off? Because, like, I think if, if I have to figure out how to mail this, that's going to be annoying. Uh, yeah, you can. Well, I'll be there from Well, we can talk after the after the cast. Yeah. <laughs> let's, we'll figure, let's figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my Tybalt is that we're in the middle of a really well, maybe we're not in the middle of it yet, but there is a pretty bad blizzard going on right now in, in North Jersey. And mm-hmm. uh, we're supposed to they're, they're estimating we're going to get something upwards of a foot and a half of snow, which is kind of awful, but also great because I don't work in the office anymore. <laughs> Like I work yeah. from home, so I can just enjoy looking at it. I don't really leave the apartment that often. So, mm-hmm. how about you? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of strange this whole snow day uh, paradigm now that every day is a snow day. Yeah, right. You're and you're on the opposite end of that spectrum this this time around. You're not a student anymore, so you get to experience snow days from a teacher's perspective. Yeah, and honestly, that's my tibble this week. I actually don't like snow days when I'm teaching. They mess up planning so much. I had planned to have. Uh, we have a two-day week before our, our holiday break starts, uh, and we have A-B scheduling. So I see some students on A days, some students on B days. So Monday, I was going to see half of my kids. Tuesday, I was going to see the other half. And I had these like fun days planned. I let them pick the topics. They wanted to learn about aliens and dark matter and black holes. And I was like, sure, I'll talk about all that stuff. But now, because of the snow day, it's going to get pushed back. So I, I, I'm having a quiz in some of my classes, too. Now some of them are going to have to take the quiz and some of them are going to have a fun day. And I, I need to figure out how I'm going to work this out. Thankfully, I have off tomorrow now, so I guess I get to <laughs> plan that. I, I guess we'll know when this episode goes live just how bad the snowstorm was. Um, but we're talking from the past, so hello, people in the future. Well, <laughs> how bad is it? Let us know. Anyway, my, my teferi is also that um, I do get a snow day tomorrow. And while it does mess up my planning, I'll have plenty of time to fix it. and. It will be nice to sleep in for once. I don't remember the last time I slept past 7 a.m. Yeah, and you can cube all day. Oh, wow. I'm going to... Oh, man. That's it. That's it. I'm going to work on our cube, and I'm going to play all these other cubes all day. Oh, it's going to be great. Well, that brings us to our listener question of the week. This week, Andy X in the Discord asks, what is your go-to takeaway? And if you get a Chinese takeaway, what do you get? And for those of our listeners if you're on the the u.s side of things takeaway is takeout like uh if if you're not familiar andy's from from the uk so um yeah takeout i am a big foodie i love food i love to cook and um 
go-to takeaway i would say probably is chinese for me i'm a big big fan of chinese food even though that's like not real chinese food right in, in america you can't really get like real chinese food but um i do do love me some dumplings and stuff so my typical chinese takeaway is probably general south chicken with pork fried rice and an egg roll like the generic chef special type type yeah. thing um i'm yeah. a big pad thai fan but i guess that doesn't quite count as chinese food i also really like indian i, I tend to get indian relatively recently relatively frequently and I, I actually got indian for lunch yesterday and pizza of course is very very good i don't know i'm not super picky uh these days mm-hmm. when i was a kid i was very picky but what about you what's your what's your go-to takeaway honestly you took the words out of my mouth for a lot of those um i will say my honestly my, my top like the thing i get the most often is probably wawa uh which is uh, i guess explain- a pretty reason Explain Wawa yeah. to the to the listener, because Wawa is a is generally a Jersey thing, although it is in Pennsylvania, and some of them are popping up in Florida. But but yeah. please explain explain the wonders of Wawa to to our. It, it's pretty regionalized. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Wawa, I'm genuinely sorry. It is amazing, and some people have other similar things. You, you could compare it to like Seven Eleven or you cannot. Or, but, but that's that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm saying. It's the same vein. But it's just so much better. It's like um, it's like a luxury convenience store, if you can imagine such a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say that they have most things that other takeout places of the same kind would have. It's a lot of like comfort foods. You can get sandwiches, you can get soups and mac and cheese and paninis and, and quesadillas, that type of thing. Salads, if you're you know if you're going to takeout to get a salad, I mean, <laughs> more power to you. But uh, they're also just great because it's also a gas station and it's you can also go and like pick up anything you need there like it, it's an all-around great store you never come away from wawa not having what you need i'm a big wawa fanboy um so yeah, i probably is, get wawa most people in this region oh yeah for sure I, I i probably get wawa more often than any other kind of takeout but i will also say i'm a fan of uh thai chinese i don't get pizza that often uh, as i'm actually lactose intolerant so it's you can only take so much before the the, the price uh, starts to be paid. But um, <laughs> I do also like Taco Bell a lot. And I live in a, a pretty Hispanic populated area. So there's also, uh, besides Taco Bell, I can actually go get actual Hispanic food when I, when I feel like it. And if I'm getting Chinese, I always get Crab Rangoon. Yep, that's uh, a that, That's guaranteed. Uh, crab Rangoon and then uh, a few egg rolls or spring rolls. And then I usually get pork fried rice. Or some kind of noodles, a noodle dish or something something along those lines. It's honestly, I'm not very picky when it comes to that either. Although to shift away a little bit, I do also love sushi. Sushi um, is phenomenal. I am absolutely a huge fan of sushi. And actually, I might I might be getting Hannah to take me to an omakase restaurant, which is like the sit down small Ooh. like sushi restaurants where it's like $200 a person and you, you get like five pieces of fish, but it's amazing. That sounds all. Can she take me too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll ask her. Yeah, run uh, that by her. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, but we'll see how that goes. So we have a, we have an episode topic here. We mentioned it quite a bit already, but we're talking all things Cube this week. So if you're new to the idea of Cube, you don't know what Cube is, you may be very, very confused as to what we've been talking about. And frankly, I don't know why it's called Cube. Maybe that should have happened in our research for this week's episode. But oh no. no. We looked that up once. Um, we did a while ago, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was no real good explanation for it. Yeah, it just doesn't. That's right. From what I remember, it nobody really knows why it's called that. It just is. Uh, but essentially, if you're not familiar with what cube is, a cube is a large collection of frequently powerful cards 
though they don't have to be powerful cards, that are used for drafting and playing limited. Drafting a cube is very similar to your normal limited draft. Uh, you, you have three booster packs, but instead of drafting from three 15-card like, pre-packaged magic boosters, you draft from 15-card quote-unquote packs that are created from your cube. And a, the cube itself is essentially just a set of magic cards that you build yourself. Mm-hmm. We can get into some of the details on what those look like. Generally, the smallest cube is 360 cards because that's the number of cards it takes to have eight players with three packs of 15 cards. In a 360-card cube, every card is seen through the whole draft. Some some people build bigger cubes, like 540 cards or, or even higher than that. But that's that's what a cube is at its core. Of course, the biggest in, the biggest thing about cube is that it is super fun. Like, doesn't matter what the cube is, the whole idea is it's it's just one of the best. It's basically the best environment for for magic. Like, cube is the peak, like the pinnacle of what magic and especially limited magic can be. Yeah. Do you have anything to add on on what is a cube and what what cubing is? Yeah. So a lot of people can find cube intimidating. I did it first for a long time, but. I think once you've kind of gotten the feel for it, and once you understand how this limited environment is just a little bit different, uh, then you can really start to just go nuts with it. So another thing that I didn't know when I first started cubing was that the way packs work is different than uh, in a normal magic set. When I first opened my my first pack of vintage cube, which I started cubing with, uh, which that went well, I was like, oh, so what's the mythic in this pack? So the way rarities work is nothing at all like how it works in a normal magic booster. There really is none. Uh, it, it could be anything. You might open a pack with 10 mythics and like three commons, and maybe the commons are better than the mythics. It, it's kind of a carefully curated environment such that the cards, while not all the same power level, they don't necessarily have to fall in the same ordering. Uh, so you don't necessarily need that breakdown of one great card in the pack, a few okay cards in the pack, and then some common chaff. Instead, everything is going to be pretty good. So to go over some general heuristics to have when approaching a cube when every single card is a bomb uh which as we saw in our first pack like in a normal limited environment those are the best of the best like some of these cards are just game winning on their own some of these are unbeatable like those that ever cast an angel of sanctions or a hydroid crisis uh in their you know original limited environments know that those cards are almost unbeatable but in cube when the removal is so good and the threats are so good everything's kind of one for one with each other or maybe two for one with each other when every card is a one-for-one one or a two-for-one, then you need to find other ways to break that parity. Normally, in like a normal limited environment, think of how it's like scaled down. Uh, every card's kind of like a one-for-one. One. And then when you have a big card draw spell, you break that parity and you can get ahead. Once you've traded off a bunch of stuff or they've killed your creatures with removal spells, you reload your hand and then you find yourself way ahead. Well, when both players are constantly re- reloading their hands and playing all these wild spells that have crazy effects, you need to break that parity somehow. So a few ways you can do that are finding reliable ways to cast your spells. So taking lands highly that let you fix your colors. Uh, I take lands fairly highly. I, I often take lands between uh, starting at like third pick through seventh pick uh, to kind of start solidifying what colors I'm in. I take green lands even higher because uh, green tends to let you splash and, and get into other colors a little easier. Uh, there's some dryads in the, in the set that let you do that. Other ways you can break this parity are casting cards ahead of schedule. So like Zach mentioned earlier, ramping is extremely important in this format. There's a good number of two drop and three drop ramp spells. So when you're finding these, uh, you can take them pretty highly and then consider what cards you can ramp into directly. So if you have a lot of two drop ramp spells, uh, you want to start picking up some good four drop payoffs. 
uh, or if you have a lot of three drop ramp spells, I'm going to pick up some five drops. One thing to, to mention there with the lands is that something that Ben alluded to earlier when we were doing our, our uh, crack draft type thing is that all the cards, essentially, there are, I mean, everything's relative, right? So within the context of the cube, there are worse cards than, than others. But when every card is a bomb, you have the luxury of being able to pick up your bombs late. And what that mm-hmm. does is it lets you set up the foundation for your deck, which is why taking lands so highly is really good. They're not replaceable. You can't find other cards to do the same thing that a land does, whereas you can find another six drop that wins the game for you. And so yeah. taking taking the lands highly before everybody else is able to means that you are able to be comfortable and flexible about your colors, lets you be flexible about your archetypes you're getting into, and sets you sets you up, gets that foundation under your belt for what your deck can be. And I think it's there's a huge, huge revelation between when you like start picking lands up and you realize, you know, there's between like taking the lands highly early instead of taking them late because you'll notice when you start taking them early you're like okay you can start to see your deck come together and you can like i said you can be flexible if you start taking them late then you find yourself in this like crunch mode where you're like i can't play this deck if i don't pick up a couple of lands like i just don't have the fixing to support these colors i'm trying to run um and it it really makes your decks less they're they're kind of the glue that holds your deck together basically yeah especially because a lot of these very strong cards that make it into cubes often have restrictive mana costs, whether they're multicolored cards or if they're monocolored cards that have multiple color symbols. So you might have a card that costs one red red and one green 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 in the same deck. Uh, and that's perfectly playable if you have maybe five dual lands that tap for both red and green, which is very reasonable. In fact, I was playing a deck just like that earlier today and it was great. So um, another way you can break this parity is playing things more often than your opponent. So this is finding, well, ramping early kind of factors into this, but playing cheaper threats uh, that are still game affecting. So uh, aggro is actually better than it might seem. Mono red and red green uh, can be very powerful in in cubes. Uh, In older cubes like vintage cube, mono white can sometimes get there as well. So these very aggressive decks punish players that are trying to ramp into the late game and resolve these big spells that do wild things well if your opponent's dead it doesn't matter how many cards they drew they're dead so be on the lookout for decks that can play things faster than than your opponent to enact your game plan first uh now to kind of go along with these three ideas of um casting spells reliably casting things ahead of schedule and more often than your opponent planeswalkers are a great place to be for this uh because they have an effect every turn and ramping into one of these early, playing this earlier than your opponent, means that they're going to have a really tough time catching up. So one of the easiest ways to win a game of Arena Cube is a uh, curving a 2-drop ramp spell into a 4-drop Planeswalker, or a 3-drop ramp spell into a 5-drop Planeswalker. Uh, especially when you're on the play, this will often just bury opponents in card advantage, or uh, mana advantage, or otherwise tempo advantage. Two cards that I wanted to highlight from Arena Cube, as this is one that's on a lot of our minds right now, are Mindstone and Dryad Greenseeker. Uh, Mindstone, it ramps you. Uh, it can go in any deck because it's colorless. And then when you don't need it anymore, you can even cash it in for a card. And Dryad Greenseeker uh, is a one in a green for a one three. You can tap it to look at the top card of your library. And if it's a land, you can reveal it and put it into your hand. So this is a another repeatable source uh, of card advantage and kind of mana advantage because it lets you reliably hit your land drop every single turn. And I mean, would you play a one green that said tap, draw three cards? 
<laughs> but you can activate this. But you can activate this once a game. I would. Yeah. That, that's about what this card does. So there's some other good things in Arena Cube. Uh, Arena Cube specifically, if you want to get into that, it has a lot of the sets that are on Arena. Pretty much all of them. And then there's some cards that are not. It's uh, had a few changes recently thanks to the new sets that have been put on Arena. Namely, we see some cards from Kaladesh and from Amonkhet on there. And Zendikar Rising. Now, the MDFCs have made a big splash in the Arena Cube. Mm, that's true. The, the flip mythic lands are just awesome in every single cube. People have been loving them in Vintage, too. Now, um, sadly, in the last iteration of Arena Cube, green was just the best color by far. Now, control decks have gotten some help. And I, I hate to say this, but blue-white is pretty good. Blue-white control works, and I've gotten punished by it. Wait, can you, uh, can you repeat that? I don't think I heard you. <laughs> Blue-white blue is pretty good. <laughs> That's what I thought. Ugh, I've actually gotten milled out a few times, too, by these blue mill decks that are going around now. Which, yeah, we have um, Ruin Crab's in the, in the cube now. So we have Ruin Crab, we have a bunch of the other mill themes from like some of the rogue cards and like the Zendikar mm-hmm. Rising mill sub-theme. And then there are a bunch from, from outside of that set that were around before Zendikar Rising that, that now are bolstered by the Zendikar Rising uh mill payoffs mm-hmm. folio of fancies uh the jace that upticks yep. to mill to whatever the thing's called wielder of mysteries wielder of mysteries right yeah jace uh, uh and some other oracle <laughs> yeah so, something like that uh a bunch of other random stuff like this uh so mono blue mill ugh, make, makes green a little harder to play but uh another cool thing about cube uh in pretty much every cube you'll ever encounter is that all decks are pretty good uh, you can win a game with pretty much any cube deck just because the cards that are in these cubes are often uh, so high in raw power level that, you know, if you cast enough of them and you make your land drops and resolve them, then you're going to win some games. So that's why being able to cast them effectively, ramping into them early, or just making sure you get your lands to play them on time uh, are such uh, important aspects of cubing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that means that you want to be looking out for cards that um, like Ben said earlier, can can repeat card advantage, can ramp you, cards that are really difficult to interact with because everybody's looking to one for one or two for one. So if if you have cards that are hard to deal with, that puts you in a in a position of power throughout the throughout the game, and that's another way to, to break that parity. Um, which also means you want to be running artifact and enchantment hate, right? Like one of my favorite decks that I've drafted so far in the arena cube is a green white tokens deck because there is some pretty good support for that archetype. Mm-hmm. And it ran it ran the green enchantment that doubles counters, like adds additional counters. And then it ran oh, yeah. the white enchantment that adds additional tokens. Oh, and, yeah. And then it had a top end with Overwhelming Splendor, which is just a great way to shut your opponent's deck down. And it was this weird, yeah. like, I'm doubling everything I'm doing, but then also you can't play anything that matters. And that was nice. that was a fun deck. I, I really I think it went 3-3, like I didn't trophy with it or anything, but it was a really fun deck to play. And that's the yeah, kind of thing great. you can expect to see in a cube, especially one that's like readily available, like Arena or Vintage or whatever that's on MTGO. They're just they're just so fun. Every every deck is amazing to draft. Yeah, honestly, the biggest takeaway of cube is that it's supposed to be fun. This is kind of, I don't know, it, it's limited dessert. Like yeah, it, yeah. if this was around all the time, uh, if we got to play Arena Cube whenever we wanted, I don't think we'd value it as much because it'd be like, all right, like we, we get it now. We know how it works. But the fact that it's around every once in a while, I mean, I wish it was a little more often. But the fact that it's around every once in a while still just makes it great. And I like that they've been updating it. Right. I yeah. guess for those control players out there. Well, that's I mean, there's something to be said about that, too, because that's a big aspect of cubes is that they don't necessarily end like Zendikar Rising is Zendikar mm. Rising and it's always going to be Zendikar Rising. 
that set is is 300 whatever cards it is 360 something cards it's it is what it is and it's a great limited format and i love the environment there but it's just going to be zendikar rising forever the arena cube is going to update with every set that comes out or every few sets that comes out however frequently they they are publishing Mm -hmm. the cube and that means that every time the cube comes back and i think this plays into what you're saying about it being kind of a dessert is that if it didn't go away then it wouldn't feel quite as interesting when when they make updates to it because it goes away and then when it comes back it's almost a completely different environment even though a lot of the cards are the same and that's another aspect of cubing that's really really intriguing like things just shift and you can change them however you want and we've been experiencing this in our own cube which we'll get to in a little while uh mm-hmm. with the draft half cube that we've been building but um, we had a couple of other cubes that we wanted to highlight just to kind of go over some other flavors of cube that you can anticipate getting involved with or, or look forward to. So Arena Cube is one of them. Then, of course, uh, another one that's been on Arena recently and will be coming back shortly uh, is Tinkerer's Cube. And this one's a bit more narrow. It's it's not like like Arena Cube is Arena's attempt to make a vintage cube, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's whereas, the most powerful, the powerful. There's synergies, but um, it's mostly just like raw power. Right, right. Tinkerer's Cube was a bit more like there are less bombs, more build arounds. It's kind of a bit more grindy. Um, there were some enablers that just didn't quite get there if you couldn't put them in the right deck. So so it's a bit more narrow, but still a fun environment. And Ben wrote an article on the first iteration of the Tinkerer's Cube for MTGA Zone. So if you're interested mm-hmm. in seeing that, check that out over there. Yeah, do that. I didn't really play too much of the Tinkerer's Cube, but w- what did you think of it overall? Like, did you did you enjoy Tinkerer's Cube or it's, is it just like you wish they had put Arena Cube up again? Hmm. I mean, I do wish they had put Arena Cube up again. Yeah, uh, it was fun and entertaining, but I remember there, there were a few archetypes that really shone, and it felt like if you weren't in one of those archetypes, if you hadn't picked up the specific pieces, it wasn't quite there for me. Uh, Black White, for example, had some really fun and very powerful life gain synergies, like doubling life and having people's lives and doing wild combos with fun enchantments. But ultimately, it almost reminded me of... Uh, some of those draft environments that have fallen flat because of uh, lanes that are too narrow. Ixalan is one that will always come to mind for this. Uh, Ixalan was known because it had several tribes, uh, dinosaurs, vampires, that type of thing, merfolk. But if you weren't in one of those tribes, if you, if you waffled for a little bit while drafting, if you uh, didn't find your lane right away, you got super punished because there was no cross synergy like we have in Zendikar Rising, which I think is why that set is so great. Um, if you start to go for a red-white Warriors deck and you get cut off the Warriors, but you're still seeing red and white cards, you just wind up in a red-white party deck and it's still great. Whereas in Ixalan, if you started taking red and green cards and then you never saw any dinosaur payoffs or you never really got there and it, it turns out maybe you were supposed to be in, in the merfolk seat, but then that was being cut from the other way, it wound up that only a handful of players at the table would wind up with functional decks. And that's what Tinkerer's Cube reminded me of. Every once in a while, you would just get the nuts. And it was very clear that that's what they had intended. But every once in a while, either because of the cards in the cube or because of missing some signals or because of floundering a little bit while you're drafting, you'd wind up with a a very, very dysfunctional deck compared to some of the best decks in the format. So I think Arena Cube is a little more fair when it comes to that. Um, Tinker's Cube, it, it was good, but... I'll still take Arena Cube over any day. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that, that was a really good analogy referencing Ixalan there because that was something, I mean, Ixalan, for those who played the format, remember it as, like, it's it's kind of infamous. It was one of the worst draft environments we've had in a while, mm-hmm. uh, even before Ixalan. And certainly since Ixalan, it's, it's probably still the worst we've had since that set came out. 
And that was another reason why I think like cons of Tarkir is one of the ultimate like high, you know, draft formats on pretty much everybody's list. It's just widely regarded as one of, if not the best limited environment ever um, from like a, a single set perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because it did something similar to what Zendikar Rising does. Not so much in the like creature type synergies or like crossovers, but cons of Tarkir was all around. It was centered around wedges, right? You had these three color wedges that built up the clans of the plane of Tarkir. And so you could start by trying to build a two-color deck, and then if you couldn't quite get there on one of those colors, you just pivoted into the other color in a particular wedge, and now you had you had a three-color deck, and it, those were very well supported with fixing and, and mana ramp and that kind of stuff, but it, you never really felt like you were floundering to find it home. If you missed your lane, you could still pivot into another lane and not really have any issue with it. So yeah, and Ixalan was very much not like that. There was no dinosaur dinosaur merfolk deck or dinosaur vampire deck. Like if you didn't get all the way there on one of those archetypes, you didn't get there at all. Yeah. Now actually, it's going to be interesting coming up with Kaldheim, which we're seeing is actually going to be a tribal set as well. We've seen giants, angels, el no yeah elves and dwarves, um, which I'm really excited for. But I'm hoping that we uh, we see this work out. It looks like they're actually going with the shapeshifter route to kind of glue them all together. It's gonna be interesting how they how they do that. We've only seen a few spoilers at this point. Maybe by the time this episode releases, we'll have even more. But hopefully, this winds up on the you know the good side of the spectrum when it comes to uh, tribal drafting. Yeah, because this could fall flat, and it'll be the first set in a long time to do that. I mean, where the spark where the spark kind of got there uh, with yeah, the way that yeah. they designed the gods in that set. And that's another thing I'm super excited about with Kaldheim is just how the gods are going to shape up. But mm. um, it could fall flat and it could be it could be difficult to get decks together when you miss on something or you misread a signal or something. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping and I'm curious what 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 additions are going to come out of that set from for other cubes. Now, speaking of cubes that don't have that problem, cubes that are, are very open and easy to get into all sorts of different archetypes vintage cube vintage cube is kind of the creme de la creme of cubes right it's it's the pinnacle and i'm i mean it's not where everybody starts as far as a cube is concerned of course ben i think you're the anomaly there but (laughs) it is it is like the pinnacle of cubes and most limited fans will consider it the best format to play limited like the best drafting environment full stop uh, you get to play with the most powerful toys in the in the toolbox, right? You've got Black Lotus, you've got Time Walk, you've got Lily, you've got Jace, you've got everything in between. Uh, Seagate Stormcaller has actually made a big splash in the Vintage Cube recently. You think Seagate Stormcaller is good when it copies an Opt? How about an extra turn spell yeah. or a draw three? But you can do some really busted stuff in Vintage Cube. Uh, some big archetypes to look out for are things like Reanimator, Splinter Twin, uh, kind of like an infinite combo type that's also a, like a backup blue-red control deck. Storm is infamous in Vintage Cube. Uh, whether or not you get there on the Storm deck is, is always a uh, is a, a fun time to see. Highly recommend going watching some of LSV's videos of, of Storm in Vintage Probably Cube. Probably the best really, Vintage Cube Storm player. Oh yeah, if you ever want to see uh, an expert at work, just just watch LSV or like like BK like draft Storm and th- th- then you'll see some power. That's how you play limited. Now, that being said, there's also some more fair strategies. You can play stuff like white and red, and, and those often win games, too, because, you again, you punish the people trying to do bigger, more fancy things. So all of these cubes, they have a lot of the same heuristics in common. So the ones we talked about earlier, uh, you can apply this uh, to these as well. You want to take unique effects, cards that are irreplaceable, lands included, uh, but also ramp spells. So, for example, Vintage Cube has Signets in it. 
Uh, so the signets are pretty high picks, along with other artifact ramp. Uh, stuff like counter spells are also pretty highly picked in Vintage Cube, just because they're some of the only ways that you have to stop their more busted combos. I don't actually think counter spells are that great in Arena Cube or Tinker's Cube. Um, some of them are okay. Because, I mean, Essence Scatter yeah, is, yeah. is in the Arena Cube, and I found that that's pretty powerful because a lot of the massive bombs are creatures. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Essence Scatter is probably the the cleanest answer to Hornet Queen in the format, right? Yep. But besides that, you want to follow a lot of the same general ideas. Deploy your game plan faster than your opponent. Look for repeatable card advantage sources uh, and look for ways for consistency. So for example, fetch lands are first pickable in Vintage Cube easily. Yeah, and one other thing to consider there is, as with any limited set, it's great to know the set, but more so in cubes. Knowing what cards are available Mm -hmm. to you is a huge boon over people who don't know the set because you know, for instance... If you're drafting Arena Cube and you get past a Golos, well, you can say, okay, I picked a land first pick and second pick I have a Golos. I know there are a ton of dual lands and I know Field of the Dead is in this set. So I'm going to pick him up. He's colorless, fits into a bunch of different art, like styles kind of. And like, there's a lot you can do with it, but these are all just based on knowing a few cards in the, in the, in the cube. So definitely learn the cubes if you're going to spend time drafting them a lot. Otherwise, just hang out and have fun. I mean, they're going to be fun environments regardless of whether you know what cards are getting passed. And sometimes it might be more fun if you don't know what cards are getting passed. So, <laughs> Yeah, true. Uh, I will say in this iteration of Arena Cube, I have had Field of the Dead decks. I've had Golos decks. I have not had the blessing of having them in the same deck, sadly. Uh, but I will say I did have a Golos deck. I think I, I took that to like six and three or something. And I, I had a, a beautiful game of against Blue White Control where I cast every single card in my deck and about half of them more than once because I <laughs> ended up, when I had zero cards in my library, I cast Memory and I, I shuffled my graveyard back into my library and I drew seven cards and then I ended up recasting a bunch of stuff. Uh, I beat the Ugin across the battlefield from the, the blue white control player and I, I won by attacking with a 4-4 <laughs> on turn like 30-something. It, it was nice. awesome. The, the stories you get from cubing are unlike anything else in, in, in Magic. Your your bad beats are worse than ever, but your victories are better than ever too. Yeah, and I think, and this kind of segues into the next topic we were going to talk about. One of the awesome things about Cube is that you're taking cards that were never designed to be put together and giving them a space to, to run free alongside each other. And sometimes mm-hmm. that is just a bunch of powerful cards next to each other that are all competing for the most powerful card in the in the format slot. And sometimes that means the synergy goes through the roof. And one of the things that we've been introducing, or at least introducing to ourselves and kind of exploring, is this ability to heighten synergy through what the draft half cube that we've been building. And if you haven't heard before, maybe this is your first episode, or you you haven't heard the last episode or whatever, Ben and I are building a cube we're calling the draft half cube. It includes only cards that can be considered chaff. If you want to know what we consider chaff, check out our what is draft chaff episode. I can't remember what number it was, but you can find it by title. It was one of our earlier ones. Yeah. And um, we are only including cards that we consider to be chaff in the cube, and we've been building it out quite a bit. Um, Our patrons get a little bit of an inside look on that. We've been discussing it before our episodes and the uncut version of the episodes, but it's been really fun to understand how cubes can come together. And this is the first cube either of us have built, and it's shaping up to be really spectacular. Like, we have... Some really interesting spins on the archetypes that we all have come to love. Aristocrats, uh, draw cards, where like blue red's gonna be like a counter burn kind of style thing. But because we're only using chaff cards 
and we've limited ourselves to an average card value of 25 cents. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we have some very interesting spins on familiar archetypes, which has been really fun to explore. We're getting to put our own like personalities and flavor into it. It's kind of funny because building a cube has been like, it's like, it's like EDH deck building on steroids. Like you're, it really is. Yeah. I'm getting the same, the same, I don't know what the word is, adrenaline rush or, or, or the same satisfaction like, of building an EDH same deck. mental exercise. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we've been doing it together and kind of breaking down like, okay, Ben's going to tackle the green-white archetype because that's his wheelhouse, and I'm going to tackle blue-green because that's what I like to do. And we've been we've been talking about it back and forth, and like we'll take we'll split up, take some time to to come up with ideas on our own, come back and talk about it. It's been a blast, and I really recommend that if you haven't given cube design a ch- a shot, maybe look into EDH decks. If you haven't started building EDH decks yet, start there. But then really give it a give it a shot, like cube building has been really fun i've really really been enjoying it yeah i'll say it's been a mental workout uh because it's had us rack our brains about i don't know every card in the modern history of magic that costs 25 cents or less and thanks scryfall for (laughs) helping us out with that one but then also figuring out like what do we want the two color pairs to do how do we want to include like signpost cards but then how do we also want to allow for branching out into other colors so just to, to give a, a little bit of a, a, a sneak peek, I think it'd be fun if we both go through and share a few of our, our favorite includes. Yeah, sure. And before we get into that real fast, we are going to be publishing the cube. Of course, we mentioned we're giving away a copy of the cube. That's going to be a physical copy. We'll send you all 360 cards. You'll get a, a full copy of the cube, but we are going to publish the, the cube list. So if you want to build it yourself, that's totally an option as well. We're not going to keep the, the card list to ourselves. We want to share it and have everybody playing it as much as possible. Absolutely. And the best part is because these are all like, this is like bulk rare dot cube. This should be pretty easy for, for you to put together if you wanted to. I mean, honestly, I have a lot of these cards just sitting in my collection. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're targeting, like, like we said, it's going to be kind of an average of 25 cents per card, but we're also kind of targeting like a ceiling of a hundred dollars. So it's going to be a cheap cube to put together. Um, even if it's something that, that if you don't happen to win it, it you, you'll be able to put it together pretty, pretty inexpensively. Uh, but why don't you why don't you start us off with the with with some of the archetypes you wanted to talk about? Sure. So a few of my favorites. I gotta go with red white equipment. You already know this is coming. You you people all know. I don't want to give the wrong idea. I am like a green mage at heart. But something about red white equipment. It's just the meme deck. It's so much fun. You know, it's also fun with red white equipment allies. So we've uh, we've kind of taken this red white equipment allies deck and uh kind of flesh it out so that it can also work with some of the allies that we're also including in the black white aristocrats deck so we've got cards like uh, akiri fearless voyager from zendikar rising but we've also got cards like angelic captain from uh, old zendikar which is three red white for a four three angel ally and whenever it attacks it gets plus one plus one for each other attacking ally well red white wants to do that anyway but you could also reasonably have a mardu deck a black red white deck that's playing a bunch of allies and maybe splashing for angelic captain or maybe it's a uh, red white deck that just incidentally happens to have a lot of allies in it and maybe not as many artifact equipment sub themes so we've kind of tried to include a lot of these special subtypes like sub hidden decks within the uh, the larger cube itself for example we've also got uh, kind of a, a green red tokens sacrifice theme with some devour creatures uh, well, it has the usual theme of like big creatures, power matters for its its main archetype. Uh, it has this this cool sub theme that I, I'm really excited to see also how it plays with the uh, the aristocrats theme. I, I think my my second favorite archetype 
is Black Green Spiders, which I am just super excited for. We're playing stuff. We're, we're playing all the hits. Uh, Nick's Weaver, we've got in there that that mills you every turn, and uh, you can exile it to get a card back from your graveyard. We're playing uh, Spider Spawning, the arguably one of the most desired build around card in the entire history of limited magic. Would you say that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty well known as as one of the biggest or like most desired build rounds. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a whole bunch of fun stuff. But then I think I'll let you take this one. We also have Morbid Bloom, uh, which makes a bunch of sapperlings. Yeah, so sapperlings are kind of one of my pet uh, creature types. I really love sapperling decks, Slimefoot, and and all of those kind of Yavimaya sapper, that kind of stuff. Really, really is like the black-green archetype that I love. So we have this like our, this, this cal- our tokens kind of sub-theme with graveyard interactions and delirium and such with the spiders. But then we also provide room for the sapperlings and fungus kind of sub-archetype through cards like Slimefoot and, and things like that with or Morbid Bloom. And uh, so we have like these these main archetypes. Every color pair has a main archetype. And then they also have a, a sub-theme. And we've also been trying to to allow for wedges to to form as well. So we have one of the things Ben mentioned with Vintage Cube being being the signets is the there are these man, uh, mana rocks in cubes that really allow for ramp or or splashing of colors and things like that and one of the first decisions we made was which rocks do we want in in the cube and we decided to go with the clue stones because they aren't used all that frequently and they are on the more expensive side we didn't want this to be a super aggressive format right so they're they're three mana three mana rocks and they all become creatures of some kind that do something that that are kind of relevant so they're not just dead cards if you don't need the the mana later in the game or something um, so we included the clue stones and that allows us to have these these branching wedges. And one of my favorite things and one of the first archetypes that I wanted to add to the cube was big butts. Like my mm-hmm. one of my first ever kind of chaffy constructed decks that actually worked pretty well in standard was was a big butts deck around assault formation, which allows creatures to, to deal damage equal to their toughness instead of their power. And so it runs a, a bunch of OXs that are that have like six toughness or whatever and are two mana. And then you run assault formation. There's also a Assault Formation's green, but then you also have High Alert, which is a blue-white card. And then you have cards like Arcades, the Strategist, which is a Bant card that also gives the same effect. So we have this kind of layover, and Arcades is a bit out of budget, so we're not sure that's actually going to make the final cut. But Yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But then there's also Huatli, which is the uh, the uncommon Huatli, which is a Planeswalker that does this as well as a static effect. So we have a bunch of ways for that to happen, and we because red-green involves bigger creatures you're going to have cards with high toughness anyway in green um so there's layover and, and overlaps in that blue green also is kind of a counter draw theme so we have like cards like lore scale quaddle that care about plus one plus one counters but also care about drawing cards one of my favorite archetypes that i'm interested to see how it's going to work out is is blue red because we're going with sort of a spell slinger sort of counter burn kind of theme involving cards like mercurial chemister which lets you you know deal damage equal to cards in hand and things like that mind swipe we'll have cards that do that sort of thing and then the, the aristocrats deck is going to be really fun too i'm really excited for how we have layover or, or overlaps between like black red with aristocrats and sacrifice we also have blue black being a reanimator theme or a mill theme so some of the black cards are going to overlap there and you'll actually be able to get a, a pretty solid i'm expecting a pretty solid grixis reanimator slash aristocrats deck um mm-hmm. so there's a lot of overlap between all of these archetypes and i'm hoping that that is going to give us an environment that feels kind of similar to Zendikar Rising, where it doesn't really matter when you get into a deck, you just know you'll be able to get into one. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last archetype that I'm super excited for was one that I was just telling you about before the show. Uh, Mardu Ping. <laughs> uh, in red, there's going to be plenty of like ping effects, so dealing one damage to a certain thing. And we're also going to have a few ways to give creatures death touch. So when you have a creature that can deal one damage to another creature, and you give your creature death touch, well, it just kills it instantly. So that was a really fun build around in, uh, in Ikoria when we had the Porky Parrot and a bunch of ways to give a death touch. So I was thinking, how can we get a little little two-card combo like that going in here as well? We also have some things that are reminiscent of uh, older cubes. We're not playing Splinter Twin per se, but I do think it'd be fun to include the uh, Presence of Gond and Midnight Guard combo, which uh, if you stick Presence of Gond, which says tap to make a 1-1 one, one elf, uh, it's an aura that you put on a creature, and that creature gains tap to make a 1-1 one, one elf. If you put that on Midnight Guard, which says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, untap this creature, you can make infinite 1-1 elves. Uh, but then I also think it'd be pretty funny to have a card that, say, deals one damage to every creature, which we already have a, a few copies of that. In, in a, a few, I think a few color pairs in our cube have that already. Yeah, red, white, uh, and black, red are the two two big ones. Yeah, ones that could easily wipe the board full of uh, full of smaller creatures like that. Raging Swordtooth and red, green as well is oh, one of our, yeah, one uh, our uncommons. Yeah, so... I don't know, man. I, I'm just excited to keep working on this. Every time I, I, I pull this up, I get a new idea and I, I want to try to fit it all in here. When are we making the next one? <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, that's that's the other thing that's going to be super interesting is now that we have, I mean, we, we haven't finished the cube. We have pretty much all the multicolored stuff laid out and we're going to have to start selectively sh like trimming the monocolored cards that are making it. As soon as we have a, a quote unquote final list Together, we'll, we'll be posting that on um, Cube Cobra. But one thing that I am really excited about is now that we have this, it's kind of like a living set, right? When Call Time yeah. comes out with this Call Time spoilers, I'm looking for cards to add to the cube. When Strixhaven yeah, yeah. comes out, I'm looking for cards to add to the cube. It's going to be so oh, much man. fun to be constantly iterating on this. And of course, you know, you guys, the, the listeners, our community here, the Draft Chaff community or the Chaficionados, as we're calling them. <laughs> are going to be able to suggest stuff too. Like it's going to be a lot of fun and we hope that people are, are interested in picking up copies of it and jamming it with their friends when we're allowed to see people again. And also we're going to be looking to play test this relatively soon. So um, if you're interested in doing that kind of thing, stick around the discord because we're probably going to recruit some of you folks to uh, help us test it before we yeah. give the cop give away a cube that we haven't tested. Right. <laughs> our, uh, our guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and don't think we've spoiled the whole thing. Um, we also have 10, we left 10 flex spots for what we're calling uh, our, our Chaff Masters picks. Uh, these are cards that can be anything. Uh, as long as it can be Chaff, we're, we're, we left some room for us to just insert just whatever we want into this cube, as long as it's Chaffy. So uh, there might be some hidden five color archetypes in here, which we will not spoil. Uh, and there's, there's plenty more than that. There's going to be some other little Easter eggs thrown in here. Definitely putting in a mana war thanks to uh, Marshall's of course, inclusion of in this. We couldn't make, I mean, if you did hear our interview with Marshall, we, we asked him about uh, what archetype he would like to see in a cube of this nature. And uh, he, he mentioned that shuffle matters or cards that care about shuffling. We did look into it, but there are so few cards that care about shuffling that we really couldn't make it work. But love the suggestion. And we, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. But that about does it for us this week. I think we covered Cube pretty well. And if you have any questions, we have a, a pretty active Cube channel in our Discord. So that's a great place to hop over and ask any other Cube questions you might have. Of course, if you're not in the Discord already, you can check that out via the link that's in our episode description or on our Twitter page. Um, and of course, if you're interested in giving back to the show or supporting us directly, you can do so via the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. 
And just once again, if you're not in the Discord, we highly encourage you to do so to submit questions for the holiday mailbag episode. That is next week's episode. It's already here. Christmas is right around the corner. And we're going to be recording that on Saturday, which is the day after this episode airs. So Saturday, the I don't know what the date is. Let's take a look. Saturday, the 19th. Yes, we're going to be recording this. So if you're not in yet, you have about 24 hours from when this episode releases to uh, get in in and ask more questions on the holiday mailbag episode. And once again, if you're interested in winning a copy of the Draft Chaff Cube TM, uh, you can do so by checking out the announcements post, the pinned post in the announcements channel on the Discord. And if you need to contact us or would like to contact us in any way outside of the Discord, you can do so by reaching us on Twitter. You can find me at Randick Alfredian. You can find Ben at Betafish1 or the podcast directly at DraftChaffPod. And if you want to email us, you can email us at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. That does it for us, and we'll catch you guys next week for a super special holiday mailbag episode. I'm excited. See you all then. So before we head off, let's talk Kaldheim spoilers. These absolute lunatics at Wizards of the Coast are printing more elk. They're making my elk commander deck even stronger. Do they know what they're doing? No, I think they do. And here's what I think they're doing. You called them out a while ago for printing Dawnbreaker Regent, I think is the card. Mm-hmm. The, the, the big yeah. green one in Commander Legends. Uh, green elk. Yeah, it, it, it gives you the monarch and everything. Yeah, yeah it, well, ridiculous. I think, I think they saw your post and they're like, okay, how do we make him like destroy himself from the inside. And I think that the way that they decided to do that is decision paralysis. They're going to give you so many good elk. You don't know what to do. Uh, with them. No, I didn't think of this. You know, I was thinking about this with our very cube. What happens when we have to start making hard cuts? Like, yeah, it's going to be really ever, tough. Like what, what if a card comes along that we have to cut and like, we have to remove like cloud blazer or something. Like, can, can we ever do that? Are we too married to it? Like, that'll be tough to come around to. But I'm, I'm looking specifically at uh, Realm Walker right now. Yeah, so, Realm Walker uh, is interesting. Yeah, it's a shapeshifter. It's a 2-3. It has changeling, so it's every type, including elk. When it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. And uh, you can look at the top card of your library anytime and cast creatures of the chosen type. Oh. So, I mean, this is great. Dude, they just spoiled the Kaya, too. Whoa, hold on. Like just now? Yeah, I just I just updated I just updated the page. So she's a we're, here we we have the giraffe chaff uh spoiler card for <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh I wish. No, um her name is Kaya the in, inexorable or inexorable. I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's a three it's yeah. three white black for legendary planeswalker Kaya. She has plus one, put a ghost form counter on up to one target non-token creature. It gains when this creature dies or is put into exile, return it to its owner's hand and create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Minus three is exile target non-land permanent. And minus seven is you get an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a legendary spell from your hand, from your graveyard, or from cards you own in exile without paying its mana cost. Wow. Whoa. Free and gods, anybody? At, notably, she starts at five loyalty. Yeah, so she so, needs to tick uh, up twice before she can do that. And uh, also notably here, if you're putting ghost form counters on, say, your legendary creatures, uh, when they die, they get, well, okay, they no, they're not going to put in exile. They get put back to your hand. So, hmm, very interesting card. Uh, this ghost form counter is an, a pretty interesting 
design choice. I, I wonder how good this is going to be. Getting a 1-1 spirit when they die and then getting that card back is pretty good. It essentially means that your your uh, legendary creature cards all gain the uh, the Scarab God effect, right? Where mm -hmm. if anything would happen to them, you know you're going to get them back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like Malakir Rebirth where they come back right away. Like, it goes to your hand, but you do still get a body left behind. Like, I, I think that's going to be relevant. Not to mention, I mean, she's obviously super great and limited. Minus three exile non-line permanent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, th this is going to be a first pick windmill slam, right? I would think so, yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to derail your whole conversation you had planned on... on Oh no! This is so yes, much better than that. <laughs> this is that is just spoiled, and it looks amazing. I wanted to talk about spoilers, and and this is one of them. Uh, I mean, also now that we've started to see some of the stuff in the set, I love angels. It was one of my first favorite tribes in Magic. I've always wanted to make an angels deck work, but uh, one of the hardest parts about building angels in, say, Commander, for example, is that uh, it's very tough to find early game plays. But even just today, we've seen several cards spoiled. Uh, youthful Valkyrie, one of the white for a 1-3 whenever an angel ETBs put a 1-1 counter on her. Or uh, Starnime Aspirant, two and a white for a 2-2. Two -two. Angel spells you cast cost two less. Like, this is exactly what I've always wanted. This is amazing. I love it. Yeah, and I, I have a, a creature type that is one of my highest pet archetypes, or pet creature types, I should say, um, that I've been wanting to build for Commander for a long time which is Sphinxes, but Sphinxes also suffer from the same problem where almost yeah. none of them are below 4 CMC, so it's pretty hard to have an all-Sphinx deck. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. You might have to wait until we go back to Amonkhet for that one. I don't know if Sphinxes are going to show up on Cold. Even then, <laughs> I mean, I was expecting to see them with, like, Amonkhet or... And we did get some, but yeah. they don't build, like... it's There's no archetype built around them. Like, Angel's are all over the place. I guess there aren't enough Sphinx. I, I don't know. They've never really built on it as a, as a creature type. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm interested to see how they take this one. Like we mentioned earlier, Shapeshifter is a very unique archetype. It's been a long time since we've seen this in Standard. Uh, so I'm curious about how this one's going to go. Yeah, it's funny too, because there's a commander deck I started building right after I finished Kenrith, which is a, a is this your deck? No, my deck kind of deck. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it involves every card basically that says copy something uh, mm. and a lot of shapeshifters. So I'm, I'm nice. excited for the, the new additions to that deck that I'll be getting. I'm hoping to get some uh, some nice like dwarves and giants because I'm in the process of building a Lord of the Rings theme deck. So, you know, I, I'll need some cool stuff for that. Maybe a, a legendary sword or two and maybe some high elves. Although I was looking into some of the, uh, the lore from this set. It sounds... Like the elves in Kaldheim are a little more a uh, little more brash than the elves that we're used to from other yeah, planes. A bit more barbaric, I think. I I, I like it. It's a fun direction to go in. <laughs>